Hello. 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 Hi there. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Football Times podcast with myself, RadioTimes.com sports editor Michael Potts, and I'm joined in the studio today by Mr. Lee Stobbs, BBC Match of the Day magazine's features editor. How are you doing, sir? I'm very good. Let's talk about all the football. All of the football. We'll be rounding up all the Premier League... Well, literally, we'll be rounding up all of the Premier League games (laughs) this weekend uh, because they are all on TV. Uh, So we have the winter break coming up, which means that players get, you know, the extra 24 hours or 24 minutes or whatever it is, however long this break is, um, to not travel around the world. Um, They're just going to have a nice holiday for the next week. Isn't that lovely? That's quite a nice life, isn't it? Uh, We don't get winter break. No, we should. We should. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have four games on on uh, on TV in the Premier League this weekend, followed by the remainder of the game week, so six games next weekend. Um, we'll just dive straight into it, shall we? And it's a bit of a mix-up this time. So Sky don't have all of the games this weekend, as they would usually have the, uh, the couple of Saturday games and Sunday games. Um, we're starting off on BT Sport 1 at 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, it's Everton versus Crystal Palace. Um, we'll take a look at Everton first, I think. Four games unbeaten, showing a bit of character against Watford, coming back to win that one. Um, they're starting to starting to put some form together. Angelotti has definitely started to work his magic. He's mm. kind of turned defeats into at least into draws. Yeah, <laughs> uh, He's got a couple of wins it. as well, but I think now the, the key is to try and switch that mentality from just being hard to beat now to a winning mentality. They've got to try and actually win the games. Um, yeah, so they're looking harder to beat, but they've got to stop picking up three points each time now. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, you feel like they've got that platform now, which they just didn't have before. It was either they would you know, win a game or lose a game. It was very extremes, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, whereas now, let's say they're putting a few draws on the board, which it's not going to get many pulses racing. But yeah, Ancelotti doing the business. Stability. Yeah, it's what we need. What they need, isn't it? Uh, ninth on the table, four points off fifth. Um, I mean, on the flip side, they're only three points ahead of Palace, who they're playing here in 14th. So it could all change very quickly. I mean, that's just such a a sign of how close this this Premier League season is. Yeah, it's all the way up to what, like, is it like 11th where anyone could kind of drop? I think you expect teams like Arsenal to obviously get out of it. But yeah, it only takes a few losses and suddenly you're right in it. Mm, that sounded like a nervous Arsenal fan there. <laughs> you I'm always a nervous Arsenal, Arsenal fan, always. Yeah. Got a nice little Arsenal stat later on. Okay. It's not It's not a nice one. I'm scared. <laughs> it's not a nice one at all. Uh, yeah, so Everton, let's say they've... I mean, they've turned down that bid from Richar- for Richarlison, which was a bit of a... I don't think we've talked about Everton since that happened. I feel like we need to address this. <laughs> Just a little bit late in the day, wasn't it? Like, Everton had no chance to even comprehend what the bid was, who it was yeah. for. It's just kind of so late and so much. But, yeah, I don't know who's madder in that situation. Barcelona for offering that amount or Everton for turning it down. Mm. But, yeah, I think it came to it being late in the day. So I actually feel like Everton kind of played a blinder with that in turning it down. I, I think they're pretty clever because we've seen how... I mean, as soon as he went for 40 million, you thought if he has one good season, that's... Well, yeah, this Barcelona bid's going to come in. And yet, Richarlison, for all he's had a good season... I still think there's more to come from Richarlison. Like consistent, you don't, I don't. I still don't see him as that consistent, maybe 15, 20 goal striker in the Premier League. So I reckon in another year's time, you could be looking at triple figures from. You know I, mean? I think there's definitely more for him, more to come from him. But I just wonder whether that's going to be at Everton. I think he'll maybe just continue on sort of the same mm. consistency level that he's at now. I think it will take a move to get him better, and I'm not sure. 
I personally don't think that Everton will get offered that amount again because I don't think he's going to show... I don't think he's going to score over 20 for Everton. Mm. I just can't see it personally. Um, I think they should have taken it. But, yeah, I think it was too late in the day. They couldn't possibly replace him at that time, so... Yeah, madness. And, and news today as well, the transfer window, I'm putting you on the spot here now, but the, the transfer window has now changed in the summer. Uh, so it's gone back to aligning with Europe, which is uh. not something Britain has been doing very often these days. But uh, we are going back to that level. Um, so yeah, no chance for Barcelona to ruin everybody's lives with a, with a last minute <laughs> bid for Richarlison. Uh, moving on to Crystal Palace, like we said there, a win for Palace here could take them up to up to ninth, up to joining Everton there. Um but you feel like that's going to be quite a tricky one this time round. Uh, seven without a win in all competitions. feels like the wheels are coming off a little bit with Palace. The, the kind of best thing about Palace has always been that they've been very hard to beat and they're quite sturdy and they've kind of lost that now. Um, they've just been scraping by with sort of one goal here and there in their actual wins. Um, they've just got no consistent flow of creativity. And even Zaha, their best player, is fully off the boil. Mm. Only got three assists and two goals this season. I think I've mentioned him on a previous pod. But I just don't think he's kind of worth the hype. And the. I think he has got a lot of skill. But, um, mm. yeah, ultimately he doesn't deliver that much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those, again, like we're seeing with Richarlison, like, you've got to know when to sell. You've got to know when to sell, you know, like... You feel like Zaha has maybe peaked in his value and he, they probably could have taken a big fee from him in the summer. Um, obviously, that's hindsight now. And, and at the time, you think, oh, if they sell Zaha, they're, they're finished. But they've actually done quite well without him being at absolute top form. Um, but yeah, you feel like that uh, that defence, that sort of carried them through maybe the first couple of months, not quite what it was. They're just, even if it's just a goal or two, they're still leaking that, you know the difference that a, a prolific goal scorer would make at the other end of the pitch. Um, so it's, it's almost not surprising to see them sliding down that league. Um, prediction for this one? I can't see anything other than an Everton win. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think if Everton want to be competitive the rest of the season, these are the games they have to put to bed. Uh, moving on, later on Saturday, the 5.30 kickoff, which is also on BT Sports 1. Uh, it's Brighton versus Watford. And... On, on paper, I can see why people may not be too thrilled by this as your Saturday evening game. <laughs> um, but one win changes everything for both of these sides. It's so close. Uh, we've talked about you know the mid-table being very close, but then you've got that little relegation pack at the bottom. And they're also so, so close. One win could, could flip the whole situation for both teams. Massively. And I think Brighton need this win so badly. They've had mm. such a poor January. Watford at least had that little resurgence, um, but they've gone back to being a little bit unpredictable. But Brighton yeah. really need this win, otherwise they are fully, fully in the relegation fight. I mean, they're only just above now anyway, but I think they, they need this win more than ever. Mm. I mean, you think Brighton sort of, they're top of the bottom, if that makes sense. In yeah. this little mini league, there's a bit of a gap between them and the next side up. And one win can pretty much, t- I think it takes them up to 29 points, and then you've got 13 games to mm. go or 12 games to go after that and all of a sudden it seems very realistic to, to survive it seems very easy to survive from that point but as we've seen they can't stitch a win together from anywhere right now I think their fans have got reasons to be optimistic though I think they play good football I think mm. Graham Potter's got them playing well I think in their last two games they've taken 19 shots and 21 shots so they're, they're creating chances they've yeah. just not been clinical enough 
Um, so yeah, I think they've they've got reasons to be optimistic. I think they'll get out, get out of it. I think they're playing a good style, and I think that's enough. Yeah, I agree. They're playing nice football, uh, but obviously we've got to that time of season again. Six pointers in, in case. Well, I was going to say in case of emergency, break glass. Glenn Murray is there. <laughs> I feel like it happens every like clockwork. There is always a time when Brighton think, you know what, we've got Glenn Murray. Let's just oh, crack yeah, him out. Guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh, get him in the fantasy team. But like every single year, the Glenn Murray run. Um, but, but that's what they need. I mean, they've got more pay up front, and they, they've had a few goals from elsewhere. But they just need that one player to to kill games off. Um, and and the stat, my Arsenal stat. Oh God! Can't believe Brighton have won as many games as Arsenal this oh, year. Is it six? Isn't six it six games? Yeah, six games. I can't believe he won. He won six. Well, but, actually, no, I can believe yeah. he won six <laughs> yeah. games. But we just we just love a draw. It's the joint third lowest total of wins in the Premier League. Right. Sorry to like yeah. make your life miserable right now, but I feel like this is something. I found we interesting. We are a team in transition. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. That's the line. That's the one. <laughs> yep, no more of that. We'll come back to Arsenal next week when they're on TV and you are not in the studio, <laughs> so I can be as mean as Get I like. Get me out of here. Um, moving on to Watford. Like you said, that, they had that phenomenal run with Pearson when he came in. Uh, you feel like they've maybe settled back down to their level now. Um, I wonder if they're... I'm trying to put my finger on how a team can go like that from winning however many games in a row to suddenly they're on this losing run or, or, or winless run. And I just wonder whether, I, I don't want to just sound lazy in saying this, but like tiredness is playing a, a part here. Like They've obviously gone so full, full on in all those games and they're an aggressive big team who throw themselves around. And uh, since the the big win against Bournemouth last month, they, they've drawn against Spurs, lost to Villa, uh, lost to Tramia. And that was like two days later or whatever it was after the original replay. They, they travelled to Shambia and didn't actually play the game, came all the way back, went back to play it, <laughs> came back. They played Everton all in the space of a couple of weeks. That's going to take the toll take, take the toll on, on those players. We hear a lot from Klopp about mm. fatigue, but those Watford players must be feeling it. I would completely agree, and there's absolutely no getting away from the fact that Watford have just been poor this season. I think they're, they're very lucky that there's been so many teams that have been poor, and there's still a way out of it for them. Mm. Um, I think Big Nige, as we like to call him on Big this Nige. podcast, yeah. <laughs> that is the best thing about Watford this season, by the way. Yeah. Big Nige, Big just calling Nige. him that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, his his sort of arrival and the resurgence kind of coincided with Shalaba getting back in the team mm. and Saar coming into form and into that starting lineup. And over the past few games, which they've both lost, um, Shalaba's been out of the team for an injury and so has Saar, but they're mm. both returning for the next game. So hopefully that might give a new impetus to the next game. I think Watford have just always lacked a bit of a freshness. They've had a similar team for a long time mm. and Shalaba coming back in because he's been out for a long time and saw coming in as a new signing helped. So, yeah, getting them back in the team could really help in this game. Yeah, they're a strange team, aren't they? Because they, they obviously they go through managers like Hot Meals, and yeah, <laughs> their, their squad, like I say, it looks fairly similar to two or three years ago. Exactly, like you don't yeah. really see the difference there. Um, prediction for this one? I've gone for a draw. I've gone score draw, so I, I'm, I'm seeing a two-all draw here. Bit frantic, bit last minute. Yeah, quality just you know off the cliff, but, but last on match of the day but maybe a good one. <laughs> no, fair enough. Or or go for your pessimistic. <laughs> no, no. Uh, moving on to Super Sunday, which again BT Sport One. Uh, it's a two o'clock kickoff. It's Sheffield United versus Bournemouth. Uh, we'll start with Sheffield United. I mean, as we always do, we we say they're consistent. We say they're. Um, just doing remarkably well this year. I'm just going to read out their results from it, not necessarily which team has won the game here. Just, just these are the score lines from Sheffield United's last games since the start of December. 
We're bored now. We're bored. <laughs> but it is, it is... I sound like binary code there. <laughs> but it's such... It is crazy how often their games just come down to one goal, just just one kick, one match-winning sort of moment for either team. And, yeah, I, I mean, they're just going to keep playing that against, regardless of opposition, regardless of level, whether it's City, whether it's United, whether it's Brighton, they're just going to turn up and, and put the same performance in. I love that about them. They are just pure grit, aren't they? Mm. Um, but I think they need to start... I mean, they've kind of cemented their place in the Premier League now. They're a fully bona fide Premier League team they're in a good position they're very stable and I think they now need to kind of to take it up a level maybe next season maybe not now mm. they need to start wowing teams and I think they've been backed in the transfer window they bought uh, Zivkovic who's signed for 22 million yep. um, and he could come in he scored 15 this season so he far he was a football manager wonder kid oh, for really? me when he was about 18 <laughs> fired me to titles with Evan anyway yeah. well maybe he'll Great do this player. for the Blades <laughs> but yeah I mean if they win this game they're just two points off of um, no Two points off the top four, sorry. They're leapfrog uh, Spurs in fifth. And yeah, I mean, imagine Sheffield United in the Champions League. That is what I am here for. I'm here for that. We're all... Chris Wilder in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about Big Nige being our our man of the season, but big Chris Wilder. Yes. (laughs) What a guy. Big. Because, you know, obviously you've got to prefix everything with big. Of course. Uh, Sander Burge as well on their their transfer dealings. 21-year-old, £20 million, six-foot-three defensive midfielder. You just think that's such a good... uh, This is based on not seeing him play regularly. Uh, I'm not a big, you know, huge Sander Burge enthusiast. But yet that's the sort of player who, if he can back up that, that, you know, that transfer fee now, um, then they've got themselves like an asset on their hands there. Exactly, yeah. Uh, like we've seen it with people like Tillmans is sort of what it reminds me of a little bit where he's played a bit of football quite young and come across with a bit of pedigree, a bit of experience sort of thing. And um, and like I say, he's not necessarily the front man, the, the, the ultimate goal scorer. He's not necessarily the, the big centre-back. But just slotting him, plugging him right into that midfield, I don't know, get, get an extra 5% out of the players around him. I don't know if I'm just speaking gibberish now. but No, I think it's really good. I think they've, they're have they making the right type of signings. Yeah. Like, I think that's what Liverpool have done over the years and, and even Leicester. They're not just spending for spending's sake. They're building what's already very good mm. and kind of building for the future even more so. Yeah, as opposed to people like, you know, Villa maybe where they've they've spent massive money on on a massive quantity of players. It's exactly. nice just watching them sort of slot that one extra bit of quality in. Mm. Um I think it's Lundstrom missing out at the minute. Yeah, which is a shame because he's yeah. done well this season, especially for my fancy football team. Yeah, precisely. But, um but, but yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh moving on to Bournemouth in sort of direct contrast really. <laughs> it, you know, not really building on the platform that they've created and having a poor season so far. Um, but they're, they're starting to turn things around. Slowly starting to pick it up. But I think this kind of proves just how important Callum Wilson, Callum Wilson is. Mm. His last goal was a couple of weeks ago, but before that, his last goal was in September. I kind of think, I mean, it's not all down to him. It's obviously the team as well, but he's kind of blown his chance for the England squad maybe in the summer. Yeah, I think he was kind of, especially with the injuries, he'd be right in that squad, right in the mix to maybe even start if he'd be in form. Yeah, um, good job I didn't write a comment piece at the start <laughs> of the season about why Callum Wilson can be England's secret weapon at- Oh, no, on Radio Times now. <laughs> you write one common piece <laughs> and it all just goes... It's always the way. Yeah, yeah. oh well. Uh, but yeah, I agree that when Wilson turns up, when Wilson plays, Bournemouth generally do well. I mean, you know, they've been carried along by his goals in the past and now they've dried up. You do worry for them a little bit. Um, I guess 
on the up for Bournemouth is that the wins that they have got, two wins in a row now, against Brighton Villa, I mean, that in themselves, uh, you mentioned earlier, like the six-pointers coming up, but that's yeah. kind of what it is. Like, if, if you're beating Man City or a shock win against a big team, um, that that's great for your points, Tally, but it's instantly wiped out if Watford beat someone else around them, you know? Um, the fact that Bournemouth are actually getting results against, against those teams around them uh, is massive. I had a look, sort of, if, if, if they'd lost both of those games, if the other teams, if Brighton and Villa had both won, Bournemouth would be four points deep in the relegation zone, eight points off 16th. Wow. And yet, as it stands now, they're very much in the mix. I mean, they're still in danger, but they're very much in the mix to, to keep themselves up. I don't think anyone envisages Bournemouth kind of slipping down this far. Mm. Um, but they've just got to win these games around them. I mean, to be fair, no, Sheffield United done very well. They're going to find this game very hard. If I was a Bournemouth manager, I'd kind of write this game off. I think Sheffield United are that strong. Yeah. Um, they've just got to focus on winning the games around them. Mm, absolutely. Prediction? I am going for a Sheffield United win. Interesting. I'm going for a draw. I'm going for another sort of tight, tight display. But uh, I, I just feel like if Bournemouth have kicked into uh, survival mode, let's, giving, let's, them let's hope for them. giving them a little bit of a glimmer there. Uh, and moving on to the final game of the weekend, the fourth and final game of the Premier League action in the weekend. Uh, it's Manchester City versus West Ham. It's a 4.30 kickoff on Sky Sports Premier League and main event. Um, Manchester City, they are a baffling, baffling team. Um, what what's going wrong there? What what's what's Guardiola not getting right at that club? I just think they are in a very weird position at the moment. Man City are used to being one of the best teams in the world, if not the best, over the past like three or four years. Mm. And at the moment, they have kind of no incentive in the league to drive on. They can't win the league. They're comfortably in the top four. So he's trying to motivate these same players that have given so much to him over the years with no incentive, with no real motivation. So I think that's why maybe they're just fading a little bit in the league. Mm. If I was Pep, I would be fully putting all my eggs in the Champions League basket. Mm. That's why they're favourites for that competition. I think that's why they just need to go for that now. Mm. I was going to say, weirdly, they could still end this year. I think if you'd offered a City fan at the start of the year, finish second and win the Champions League, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking you'd probably take that. I Not, think they would. No disrespect to the Premier League competition, but, but Europe's the one they've wanted for years Exactly. Now. The fans, the owners, is what they want, right? Mm, absolutely. Um, maybe missing Raheem Sterling a little bit. Obviously, he's gone. He's gone dry in recent months. He's injured now. Um, seven games without a goal or assist. Hasn't got a, an assist for City in all competitions since dismantling Atlanta, twenty uh, second of October. Is is there a reason behind that? Do you think? Have you have you seen much of City recently that sort of indicates what's going on there, or is this just a case of? I don't know, was Sterling playing way, way above his weight, punching above his weight last year? I don't know. I, I think he's playing fine, to be honest. He's still getting chances, he's still creating. I just think all players sometimes have a sort of period where they're not as prolific. There's only two players in the world over the past sort mm. of 10 years that have really kept that level, and that's Messi and Ronaldo. Every sort of top player isn't that consistent all the time. You're going to have periods, and I think this is just his one. Mm, absolutely. And, and I think I mentioned before about, like, obviously you've got Fernandino and David Silva sort of leader figures there mm. aren't they and, and you've sort of alluded there maybe with with not as much of an incentive to play for you kind of need those experienced characters to sort of say you know every game mm. still still worth winning in a sense I, I don't know I just think it, it, it's an interesting situation for them they've got to replace them well they've got to got to buy in you know a captain a yeah. leader Sounded like John Terry finding Captain Leader <laughs> Legend, but you've got it. I was waiting for Legend then. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Because the closest thing they've got to a leader is currently 
managing Anderlecht, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's a tricky one the City find themselves in, not a million miles off. Um, but yeah, work to be done. And speaking of work to be done, wow. West Ham United. The Hammers. Oh my goodness, like, they might be going down. They the might amount be going of down. money they have spent, and they might actually be going down. It's, yeah, what what do you make of that the whole situation? I guess I think that they, their squad is definitely good enough to stay in the Premier League. There's no doubt about that. But I think it's just all the circus around West Ham. You can never quite get away from the circus. Um, for a start, someone close to David Gold has got mm. to change his Twitter password. He is not good for that platform. <laughs> he keeps liking the most ridiculous tweets, calling fans morons, things like that. That yeah. doesn't help. He should know that. So. Yeah, get that changed immediately. Um, but in terms of their squad, yeah, I think they've got a good squad. They can stay up. Mm. They've got Jared Bowen, top goal scorer in the championship since the start of last season. He can definitely mm. bring them a spark. So I think there's hope, but it's just the circus around them. Yeah, he was a bit of an all-action hero, Jared Bowen, actually, for, for Hull. I've been watching his stats just going up and up and up, goals and assists, you know, yeah. a bit of everything. So a lot of weight on his shoulders. We'll come on to him in a, in a little while. We're going to speak about fantasy Premier League tips. Um the, the whole protest, though, around West Ham, I just, this is probably controversial. I feel a little bit of sympathy for both parties in this because I think that ultimately the fans are the bread and butter of your football club and deserve, I mean, they deserve better than what they're being served up. Very simply, put that on the table. It's just, it's just tricky because Golden Sullivan, they're not sort of Mike Ashley pulling the purse strings and let the club rot. Like they've spent mm. phenom- eye-watering amounts of money on that club, and and I think the Olympic Stadium, obviously, that's not worked out well for them in the end. But you can kind of see the logic. Like if somebody offers you a stadium that good, of course, that impressive, that close to home, um, for for peanuts, <laughs> basically nothing. Yeah. Like, you take that, and that chance to become sort of London's club, perhaps. You know, like, I think you've almost got to take that. So I feel a little bit of sympathy on that front. And I think if you had a good team, I think people get over the stadium idea. It's just the sheer wastage, I think, is what's probably got people more than the actual, Mm. you know, any lack of spending. Just signing people like Wilshire and Carroll, like, with obvious... We see now, like, the obvious West Ham signings. Like, players who have shown something in the past have a reputation but they are so deeply flawed that why would you touch them? Of course West Ham are going to sign them. Yeah, I, I don't know, I feel slightly sorry for them in the sense that they have spent money and just not got any return for it, but at the same time, like I say, these silly circus things on Twitter, you know, liking mm. posts and... Um, I think they banned a guy, wasn't it? He was waving the flag with the yeah, protest right. T-shirt. and so It's just a, so many PR nightmares for them and... Yeah, it's just a, it's just a sorry state all round, really. I still think they can stay up, um, but yeah, they're going to have to rely on those big money signings who they put the faith on uh, to actually show up in the last few weeks of the season. And the good thing about football is you're only one win away away from getting away from a little bit of a crisis. So mm. if they could just get a few wins on the board, then kind of that stuff kind of get silenced but the things that you touch on there it all comes down to judgment doesn't it like with mm. transfers you can't get every transfer right if every club got every transfer right it'd be a very competitive yeah. league everyone would be at the top you're going to get some wrong but you're right when you say there is a West Ham signing I've always seen someone like Daniel Sturridge as a, as a West Ham signing yeah. um, but yeah they've, they've got a few wrong but they've also got a few right I think uh, Felipe Anderson has been a good signing I think Haller will be a good signing if he can mm. carry on and they kind of stick with him and put a bit of faith in him yeah. I mean players like them and, and Yama Lenko they, they, there's a reason there's a rationale behind signing them and mm. spending the big money on them but for whatever reason they just haven't 
click together in the same team? No, and also I think that when owners take um, control of a club like the West Ham owners have, I think you have to have a, a, a big vision and their vision that they promised to the fans that they'd be the biggest club in London, they'd be here, they'd be there, mm. they'd have these sorts of players. And that kind of lent itself to West Ham fans suddenly having a bit of an overinflated expectation of where they'll be by this time mm. and they're not there so they're disappointed so I can see why they're disappointed but I can also see why the owners kind of wanted to share that vision at the start because mm. that's where all football clubs want to be yeah absolutely um, coming back to, to this game context any chance for West Ham what's your predictions here I think they could cause Man City some problems but I just think with Man City at home I just think I can't see them losing to be honest mm. You would think a backlash, a backlash performance from City here uh, could be a, could be a high one actually as well. <laughs> I'm just Sterling's probably going to get four now. We've said yeah, that off, yeah, precisely. Uh, moving on to fantasy Premier League tips, and we thought we'd do something a little bit different today. Uh, so we obviously have a little raft of new signings available following the January transfer window. Um, got four late signings in the window who have been added. Uh, a couple of them have already had had their debuts in the Premier League. Um, should we start with Stephen Bergwijn? Let's. Have I pronounced that correctly. I think, <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, I think, I think you I have. have. Yeah, Bergwijn. I've yeah. put here, get him in. Only 1.1% yeah. have actually selected him so far. Spurs mm. have got some nice fixtures. He's a little bit costly, but because he had such a great start, I think he might gain some momentum. I don't think the plan, Tottenham's plan, was to put him straight in and keep playing him. But he did so well in the first game, got that goal. Mm. That I think he probably will be playing the next few games, so I'd say get him in. Yeah, it's a little bit like if it didn't broke down fix it in terms of Spurs' lineup. So you would think he would probably play. Obviously, Kane's not in the picture, so exactly. they're going to look to probably rotate around and each take a turn up front sort of thing. You, yeah. you never know if that might fall to him, uh, even if that's not his dedicated position. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, yes. In. In. Uh, moving on. In fact, I'm going to come back to, <laughs> I'm going to come back to Audio Nogalo at the end, okay? But uh, <laughs> okay. Jared Bowen, West Ham. I have put not yet. So as I mentioned earlier, he's been the top goal scorer in the championship since the start of last season. But West Ham have got some tricky fixtures next two games, mm. City and Liverpool. So I would kind of hold off him this week, see how he beds in and then maybe bring him in in a couple of weeks. Only 6.5 million as well. So Yeah, I've gone with no for now. It's a decent price, but I feel like, yeah, I mean, those fixtures instantly write you off a little bit. Yeah. And by the time they've come through those two fixtures, who knows what state West Ham, whether there's even going to be a stadium left. <laughs> it's going to be a crater in East London somewhere. Uh, yeah, I've got to go with out for now. Out. Uh, moving on to Bruno Fernandes, Manchester United, 8 point, well, 8, point, 8, 8 million. <laughs> you weirdo. Uh, 8 million, the centre of everything the other night when he played. Um, I guess a lot actually depends on those ahead of him sticking the chances away. Um, maybe has a bit of a touch of Neves about him. Could, yeah. Do you think could score a screamer every so often, but maybe not consistently enough? I think so. I've put here, interesting one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> interesting. He took, he took more shots in 90 minutes than any other player mm. um, in his first game. He got man the match. So he obviously can create. He's obviously a threat. Um, but saying that, none of those shots actually went in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eight million—that is a little bit much as well. That's t- probably taking out a good player in your in your midfield. Um, I'll just keep an eye on him. I probably wouldn't this week, but I'd see how he does in the next game. Mm, steep, isn't it? Eight million, considering the the players you can get around there. I'm going without. Yeah, but but for with now. a little asterisk, of course. Uh, can't totally leap off the fence. And coming back round to the greatest transfer story <laughs> of the last several years: Audio Nogalo, Manchester United striker. 6.5 million. Sensational. 
I thought you were very tempted. I'm going yes, you know. Very <laughs> tempted. Things I just can't get away from my trio of Jimenez, Vardy and Ings at the moment, even mm. though Vardy's been off the boil. It's true. Um, the thing is with Agarlo, he's a horrible player to watch. He's very untidy. He's messy. But he does score. He does mm. score. And he plays up front for Man United. They are going to create chances. But again, I think Man United have got some horrible fixtures coming up. Looking, They've got Chelsea, City, Spurs and Sheffield United within the month. And I just, I'm not sure with him. I am tempted though. He's, he doesn't cost a lot. I like the price because it's one of those where you could, there's a couple of low cost strikers in there who you could maybe go for. So you could go for a cheaper option, but he could also be one of the great bargains yeah. for the rest of the season. I, I, my inner optimist is just saying, go for it. It's do the it, fear do of it. missing out. Someone else is going to get him in yeah. the league and you'll be gutted that he did. Like, yeah, like if, if you just, if he scores even in his first two games or whatever like that, Chelsea, City, Spurs, they're not airtight, even, even if they look a bit scary in the little red box on the <laughs> Fantasy Premier League. Um, I just, I just love that whole transfer. I love the whole, the whole story behind it. Go and read about it; it's great, it's brilliant. And I wish Odion Agallo the best of luck. <laughs> we are all Odion Agallo fans here. At Come on, Agallo! Times. Um, thank you very much for that, sir. What is coming up in Match of the Day magazine this week? This week we have got two packs of match tags with every issue. We've got a huge interview with Kylian Mbappe, and Football Manager kindly simmed the whole Premier League season to see if England would win the league. Interesting. Mm. Uh, I'm guessing you're not going to be able to tell us the result. I'm not going to tell you. You have to buy the issue. Yeah, show us the magazine later. Cool. (laughs) Nice one. Um, Great stuff. Thank you very much for joining us. And yes, head on over to radiotimes.com slash sport for all of the latest previews of sporting events coming up. We've got all the Premier League matches, the next 10 Premier League matches all on TV. Uh, And we also have a lot of Six Nations coverage coming up. Come on, England. See you later. Cheers. Bye.